And hello, everyone, and welcome to a program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, we're with Lamb Lion Ministry. And we thank you for being part of our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, as we have a great program prepared for you today as we dive into the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, with a message titled, God's Holy Name. So we encourage you to stay tuned and get your Bibles ready for today's program. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you again so much. We could get together, get into your word, Lord, and understand, hopefully, by your Holy Spirit, what you wish to impart upon us. We thank you for all who are tuned in. And we pray, Lord, you have special blessing on each and every one of them. Guide us, Lord, in our understanding of you in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Again, you're tuned in to Truth to Set Your Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. Again, the title for our message today is God's Holy Name. So stay tuned. And those of you following us on social media, we'd love for you to share this program with your friends and family so they can follow along with us. Those of you following us also on social media and also on the app Pray.com. We thank you for being part of the program and we ask that you keep us in prayer. But before we continue, I want to welcome my co-host of the program, Nathan Jones. Nathan, it's great to be back with you. Hey, another week getting into the word, fellowshipping, and uh, I thank you for all who have tuned in with Vic and me as we go on our adventure through the book of Ezekiel. Fantastic. And Nathan, maybe someone is new and they have not been in an adventure with us in any <laughs> of our programs. Will you be able to share with them how they can join us? Well, that's exciting. Well, Vic and I are both evangelists with Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. We do that in a number of different ways, primarily through our television program, which is called Christ in Prophecy. You can find it on uh, various networks such as Daystar and uh, NRB and uh, CTN, uh, but you can also find it online on his channel and, of course, our own Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel. Uh, most of what I do as Internet evangelist is not only co-host of the television show and our podcast here, but our Perspectives videos, which you can also find on our YouTube channel. And uh, Vic and I and uh, our other evangelists like Tim Moore and David Reagan and Patrick Oliver and uh, now Dave Bowen, uh, we speak all over the country. So if your church is looking for an evangelist to speak uh, at your church, then please uh, go to our website at ChristInProphecy.org. Uh, there we have a bookings page right from the contact page. And uh, we'd love to share the Lord's Word with your church or Bible study. Uh, just let us know. And Vic, Vic, you can you can uh, do it in both English and Spanish, right? Oh, yes, Nathan. That's the wonderful thing that God has given us this wonderful privilege to be able to reach the Spanish and the English audience. So anyone that needs a conference or an event in Spanish or in bilingual, reach out to the ministry. We would love to be able to share with you. And muchas gracias. That means thank you, right, Nathan? Yes, uh, Taco Grande. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, Nathan, <laughs> we always uh, we always have a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully our audience will know that, that we come across, uh, you know, the gospel is good news, right, Nathan? And, of course, there's a lot of bad news happening in the world, but we try to draw out also the wonderful things, the purpose of the church, why God has us here, 
And we like to uh, bring good news to the table as well. Not always gloom and doom. And that's what I appreciate, Nathan, about what we do, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Ezekiel's a tough book because we're seeing the probably one of the darkest time in all of Israel's history. I mean, we're talking dark, like 70 AD when the, the uh, Jewish people were scattered throughout the world dark. We're seeing Holocaust dark. I mean, this was the end of Israel about 2,600 years ago. They continued to rebel against God for centuries. God finally said the only way to fix this is to send you an exile so that a believing remnant will come back and will rebuild Israel once more. And so we're at that point where the Lord has said all he's about to say about the punishment of Israel, about the punishment of the evil nations around them, especially Edom that rejoiced in Israel's destruction. And now in chapter 36, we're finally at the point where we're going to see prophecy not past but present. 36 and 37 are present-day prophecies. It's the restoration of Israel from death back into life again. So very exciting passage. Oh, amazing. And yeah, Nathan, as we get to chapter 36, we're going to pick it up in verses 16 through 23. And it's the, it's the last glimpse there of God's action against his people, reminding them for the reason of the discipline while they were in the land. So we're going to pick it up there. So we want to encourage those of you that have a Bible. Hey, follow along with us in this amazing journey. Nathan, will you be able to open us up by reading chapter 36, verses 16 through 20? And I'll read verses 21 through 23, just in case someone doesn't have a Bible. Okay, verse 16. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanliness of a woman in her customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land and for the idols with which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. And when they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. Verse 21, but I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel have profaned among the nations, wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. And Nathan, the name of God, the reputation of God, it's something that we should not take lightly. And it seems that's kind of like what the people of God were doing back in that time. Yeah, the people of Israel were supposed to be like the ambassadors of God. They were supposed to be dedicated. If you remember when Joshua was entering into the land uh, for the first time, leading the people to take the promised land. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And wherever they went, the people were supposed to say, hey, Yahweh God is with Israel. And they, they'd be drawn to him and and they give over their evil ways, their sin, and, and they convert to Judaism at the time, and they, they be followers of God. But instead, the Jewish people, after a generation or so, didn't conquer all the evil peoples that were out the land. I mean, we're not even evil. I'm child sacrifice evil. And they started adopting the customs of the people around them. And soon they didn't want God to lead them. They wanted a, a human king to lead them. And you get so many, a history of so many kings that were 
uh, evil and led Israel astray. And after hundreds and hundreds of years, we get here to about uh, uh, 586 B.C. It's the end. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is God's instrument to bring judgment upon Israel. He's going to take them and he's going to scatter them. Now, the northern tribes have already been scattered throughout the world, but the Jewish tribe of Judah and Benjamin were taken to Babylon. And from all those tribes, just the people from Judah would be brought back to Israel again in around 520 B.C. So we know that the Lord will send them out and disperse them. He'll regather them back. But as we read in previous chapters, the Jewish people would no longer hold the scepter. They wouldn't rule over themselves. The, the Medo-Persian Empire would rule after the Babylonians and <clears throat> excuse me, then the Greeks and then the Romans and, and then the Ottomans and then the, the uh, British. And it wasn't until May of 1948 <clears throat> did Israel finally become a nation of their own again. So what we've got here is we've got a prophecy about the restoration of Israel, but it's a two-parter because we know they're going to just be dispersed out of the land in 586, but also later in 70 AD. And we know this is a, a future prophecy because the Jewish people would return back to being holy before the Lord again and drawing people to Yahweh God. And that still hasn't happened yet. Nathan, and what a great introduction and what a, what a great way there to remind individuals what, how this is. Uh, we're walking you through this amazing passages and how this is beginning to unravel for a future restoration of God's people. But all throughout history, the reminder has always been that God totally, that we should not profane his name, that we should simply worship our Lord God and no other gods. And that's the mistake throughout history that God's people continue to make, much like even what's happening to the church today. But we're reminded that the Bible is clear in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses one through five, where in Exodus, the Bible says, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any of the likeness of anything that is in heaven or above, all that is on the earth beneath, all that is in the waters under the earth. Verse five, and you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And Nathan, this is basically what ended up happening, right? They came out of Egypt. They were in, into the land of the promise. And then throughout, uh, uh, throughout their journey, somehow they got wrapped up into the world again, the things of the world. They began to worship idols. And now they found themselves in captivity again, but God, because of his grace, is going to finish that cycle and give them another opportunity. Nathan, it seems like that's our lives, right? God is such a loving God that no matter what we do, when we have a relationship with him, oh, he'll punish us, he'll spank us, he'll discipline us. But then there's another opportunity for us to repent and turn to him. And, and I love that about God, right, Nathan? Yes, uh, the Bible is very firm about <clears throat> excuse me i'm starting to get a different voice here is <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> very firm about the fact that a loving father disciplines their children if he doesn't if he just lets them run them up he doesn't really love them and this is the lord's way of correcting us when we're going down a path that's self-destructive and hurts others and profanes god's name you know it's interesting that as a result of this first exile to the land of babylon when israel came back in the land again they'd given up idolatry 
being in exile for the 70 years cured them of idolatry. We don't know if Israel in history through archaeology, or we do know, excuse me, that Israel archaeologically didn't worship idols anymore after this. It cured them of idolatry. It returned them to Jehovah God. But as we will see later as we go through Ezekiel, they have yet to accept his son as savior. Now, I got a, uh, we had a very interesting interview on Christ and Prophecy. It's coming out uh, in the month of August for Baruch Corman. He's uh, with Love Israel. He's got a wonderful teaching ministry. My wife watches him all the time. And Tim Moore, our director, was interviewing him. And he said something very encouraging to me. For years now, I've been working off the statistic that 75% of the Jewish people in Israel are secular humanists. About 25% are religious. But he says that number has changed. As more and more Jewish people come into the land, more believers in God are coming into the land. To now, it's 60-40, 60% secular, 40% um, religious. And that doesn't mean necessarily messianic. The messianic number is still small. But what's fascinating is if you watch the politics in Israel today and you see how Netanyahu is leading the Knesset to make equality between the different branches of the government, while the liberal leftists continue to hope and support a judiciary that is um, autonomous and can continue. The judges are all super liberal. I mean, you got to that's what the basis of it is. So they get with the, the secular humanist things they want through the judiciary, through the court systems. And so what right now is Netanyahu wants to balance it out. I said, hey, we should have equal branches of government. Of course, we've seen Israel flare up, uh, great protests, people dropping, not showing up, even the military not showing up at their work. Because this change, this transformation that's going on in Israel right now, as more and more Jewish people in the country believe in God than don't. So it's really an exciting time for Israel because we're seeing that slow return back to God, just as God prophesied would happen. Nathan, I love that. And, and what a great thing we're seeing during our time is this regathering process. Again, for those of you that just tuned in, you tuned into our Truth Ascension Bible Prophecy Edition, Vic Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. Again, we're talking about God's holy name as we look at Ezekiel chapter 36. So again, for those of you that just tuned in, we welcome you to the program. Nathan, again, just a wonderful process. And, and we begin to see that development now as we shift gears, looking at verses uh, 24 uh, through 33. And now this begins to become very evident in how this prophecy uh, is going to be fulfilled. Would you be able to pick it up for us there, Nathan, in chapter 36, verses 24 through 30? in case someone doesn't have a Bible, and now read verses 31 through 33. Okay, 24 through 30. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk to in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness and I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine among you. 
upon you, and I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields that you never need again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Mm, verse 31, then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own, O house of Israel. Verse 33, thus says the Lord God, on that day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities and in the ruins shall be rebuilt. And Nathan, here we see this taken form all of a sudden what God is doing. Yeah, you know, this, you, you got to have, uh, understand something that's called prophetic perspective. A lot of times the prophecies that were given to the uh, prophets, they would look across and they would see, uh, kind of picture it as a mountain range. You've got two mountains with a valley in between, but from certain angles you look and you see the top of the mountain, but you don't see the second mountain after it because the first mountain is blocking it. And so when it came to the timing of the prophecies, the Lord rarely gave, okay, this is going to happen at this time. And he wouldn't always include a what's called a near, far, and farther view. So that's what Ezekiel is doing. He's looking at this prophecy, and the Lord is telling him that Israel will be restored, they'll be cleansed, uh, they'll love the Lord, they'll have his spirit within them, the land will be super prosperous, uh, they'll be a blessed nation, the world will not condemn the Jewish people anymore. And you're like, well, wait a minute. That hasn't happened, and it's right. And yet the Jewish people were brought back from exile around 520 B.C. So how does that work? Well, the return in the first exile was a shadow of what's to come, and the Bible is very, very much big on foreshadowing future events. So we know from history the Jewish people did return. They gave up idolatry. They turned back to God. They rebuilt the temple, but, you know, they fell again here and there, Haggai and Zechariah had to encourage them and bring them back. But the people turned to Zechariah and ended up getting murdered. <laughs> I mean, the Jewish people were humans like all of us, and they, they struggled with doing the right thing. So we see a partial fulfillment of this prophecy, but as we go through 36, 37, and then 38 and 39, we're going to see that there is a second mountain behind the first, a two-part prophecy. And we've only existed in the first part or seen it through history the second mountain part that fulfills the greater parts of these prof this prophecy has yet to occur. Nathan, and that, this is exactly why we're, we're encouraging people to uh, take the time uh, to stay tuned to these uh, uh, programs as we make our way through these next chapters, because it's just fascinating. Not only that, but how applicable these prophecies will be to our times today. Again, as sometimes people say, well, what does the book of Ezekiel have to do with me? Uh, how can I relate to that? How does that uh, even apply to my life today? As a Christian, why should I even bother reading this book? What is the big deal? Yet we're seeing unfold, Nathan, right? One of the greatest miracles right before our eyes during our time. And I tell people that we're living Bible prophecy, not just hearing about it, but we're living in it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So not only did the Jewish people come back in, in the, the early 500s to a land that had been devastated and left abandoned for decades, and they had to rebuild Israel. I mean, the, the whole nation had to be rebuilt. But when the Romans came in 70 AD and destroyed Israel, 
and they besieged Jerusalem, they were so hard on the land that they chopped down most of the trees, ate up most of the food, and Israel was left in a desolation. And it was prophesied that it, the land would remain desolate, so that uh, asleep, basically, so that nobody else would want it. And for the last 2,000 years, nobody has wanted the land of Israel. Nobody. So in the late 1800s, when the Jewish Zionist movement started with, uh, with Theodore Herzl, started encouraging Jewish people to go back to the Holy Land, to start buying the land from the handful of Arabs that were still living there, and they sold the land back to them at exorbitant prices, and they get to the land, and it's filled with desert and swamps, and it's, it's weeds, it's untilled. But over the last hundred years, the Jewish people have taken that desolate land, and they've turned it into a beautiful garden. Right, Vic? I mean, you and I have both been to Israel. It's not all desert, right? Oh, not at all, Nathan. And this is exactly why this is so exciting, because here we are over 2,600 years prior to this, maybe even longer, and the Bible prophesied how this land is going to flourish. And when you and I went there, Nathan, it's just beautiful. It's amazing. It's a place that sometimes you wish you just had, you could almost move there so that you can see uh, all that's going on, because in, in one or two trips, you just don't have the time to see the whole nation and how the whole place is just blossoming like an amazing flower. But Nathan, what's amazing to me is, as we look at these next few verses, it really is eye-opening what Ezekiel wrote, because in the next verses from verses 34 to 38, we will see certain things that we just cannot ignore. So Nathan, I'm gonna read verses 34 through 36, and maybe you can read verses 37 through 38 there, or chapter 36, in case someone doesn't have a Bible. Let's do it. But we notice again, it says there in Ezekiel, the desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by it. So they will say this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden and the wasted desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and, and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I will increase their men like a flock, like a flock offered as holy sacrifice, like the flock at Jerusalem on its feast days, Show, so shall the ruined cities be filled with flocks of men. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, Nathan, isn't this just, again, fascinating? Because just those statistics that you shared with us from, from the 1900s until now, here was a place that was just a barren land. It was, it was like a wasteland. And suddenly you can fly there. You can vacation there these days. And you can see this miracle right before your eyes. And that, to me, is just amazing. Yeah, unless you knew the Bible and uh, like the Crusaders back in the Middle Ages who desired to take control of, of the Holy Land for the church or the Muslims who wanted to plant a flag on the top of Mount Zion with the Dome of the Rock and say, hey, Islam is superior to Christianity and Judaism. Nobody wanted that land. Uh, I mean, even until the last few few decades, Jerusalem wasn't a place most people wanted to live. And uh, it was a disaster. The, the land was desolate. Nobody wanted it. But the Jewish people have come back and they've been restoring it. Now, again, what's happening today is the far view. We had the near, 
which is the, the 500s BC. We have the far, which is today. But the farther view is there's prophecies that talk about Israel and all the earth where the land is so productive that the person who is, is planting the seed looks up and the guy who's picking the grapes are walking by and picking them. I mean, there's going to be such an abundance of food on this earth during Christ's millennial kingdom when he promises he will return and reign in Jerusalem that, that this prophecy, we are only seeing the shadow of what's coming. And it's an impressive shadow, but nonetheless, it's still a shadow. And Vic, I'd like to bring up this one point that we've been seeing throughout this chapter is that though the Lord is doing this to bless Israel, and the world will be blessed because of Israel, his main purpose is what? So that the world will know that he is God, and they won't profane his name anymore. The people as Christians, as the Jewish people then, and as Christians today, we are ambassadors of Christ. And what we do and say and how we act reflects on God. And we can see from this passage how important it is to God that his name is kept holy and pure in the world. And now... You know, the whole world mocks God. They use his name as a curse word. You know, God can't stand that, and that's why people do it. But we know that one day his name will be holy once more amongst all the people of the world. And Israel, when it's blessed, when it's restored, when its people are a great number, not the 14 million that are today, but it's a huge number and the whole earth is blessed because of the Lord, the world will say, God did that. And brother, I am so anxious for that to happen. Oh, Nathan, I love that. And that's exactly right. What we kept reading here is that the Lord said he will do this for his name's sake. Listen, God is at work in the world today. God is at work in the church. God is at work in the hearts of men. Yes, although there's many who still blaspheme the name of God today, we also believe that there's many that will be turning to him in repentance and, re and recognizing that God loves them and God has a plan for their lives. And maybe that's you. Maybe you found yourself at one point blaspheming the name of God out of ignorance. And suddenly you come to recognize, wow, God does have a plan for my life. God does love me. And that was displayed in the nation of Israel. They were a barren land. And now look how they have flourished. You too can flourish in a wonderful relationship with God when you repent and you turn to the Lord and you turn to him. And God will pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. He will water you with his Holy Spirit and you will blossom and grow. But that comes through repentance. It comes through acknowledging that God exists, that he is there and that you are willing to repent and turn from your sins. Much like the people of Israel, God had to allow them to go through many trials and tribulations so that they could finally recognize him. Don't let that happen to you. While there is still time, while you're hearing our voices, while you're hearing this program, repent and turn to the Lord because he has wonderful things in store for you. And some of those wonderful things Nathan is gonna share with you as we give you that invitation to come to Christ. So Nate, wonderful things, right? In case someone doesn't know the Lord, how can they start receiving that blessing even right now? Well, if they don't know the Lord yet, my goodness, they should be amazed. The fact, how many prophecies did we read in here that have come to fruition? I mean, you might say, well, but that's a coincidence, but what nation, comes back into existence thousands of years after it was destroyed. Brother, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen the, the nation of Hittites. I haven't seen the Mayans, the Incans, the Aztecs come back, uh, the ancient Celts. <laughs> it doesn't happen, but that the nation of the Bible, God's people, came back as a nation in our day and age, and we've seen the land restored in part, and we've seen the nation of Israel rule themselves in part. 
these are prophecies that are coming true. And if Bible prophecies that were given thousands of years ago come true, then we know the Bible is true. And we can trust it and believe that God's word is the Bible. And God's word tells it that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, we're all sinners. The punishment for our sin is eternal death and hell. But Jesus took that punishment on himself on the cross. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that punishment transfers from you to him and you are forgiven. If you feel the Holy Spirit moving in your heart now, calling you to him, then pray from your heart in repentance. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've been rebelling against you. I've blasphemed your name. Forgive me, please, O Lord. I want you to be the savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus will do just that. Your sins will be forgiven. The guilt will be washed away and you will inherit eternal life with him. And we say good news to you for praying that simple prayer wherever you are. If you pray that prayer and you meant it from your heart, let Nathan Jones and myself know that. We'd love for you to call us or text 305-992-9537 or reach out to us here at Christ in Prophecy. And we would love to rejoice with you, send you a Bible, a Bible study guide, so you can grow in your relationship with the Lord. Also encourage you, find a wonderful Bible teaching church, get plugged in, get baptized, and grow uh, in the things of God. So Nathan, wonderful things are ahead for the believers, right? Absolutely. There, we, uh, Stick with us, folks. So we're going to get some really exciting chapters coming up. Awesome. And of course, we ran out of time for this segment of the program, but we thank you for tuning in and being part of today's program. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones, saying goodbye. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Have a wonderful week. The good news is finally here. Friends, listen to me. This is serious business. What the world needs today is Jesus. 